Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 6th, 2015. Now, since the COP, which is the Conference of Parties 21, you know, 21st century, it's still going on, of course. Uh, it's a formality, of course, as I said last week there too. And this is a continuation of last week's to show you it doesn't matter what you think they're doing there, apart from feeding themselves like pigs at a trough, which is always free, paid by the taxpayer and so on. But it's, it's, it's really just, they get three minutes to talk. Three minutes, for those who want to talk, most of them, their mouths are too full, you know, chewing away there on their, their 15 course lunches and meals and stuff. To talks, but for those who want to talk, they get three minutes each. So this is not, as I said before, a debate on anything. Uh, everything's been agreed upon way in advance by the Sherpas, the guys that do the work, leg work, building consensus, as they say. And uh, you'll find this is just a formality. Even the, even the term COP21. Uh, it's very misleading. It's meant to be misleading because the United Nations itself, a few years ago, got so fed up with people like me and other people too, talking about uh, Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, for sustainability and you know reduction of populations and all the rest of it. And they changed its name, and then it went back to the old name Millennium Project. So really, this COP21 is just the Millennium Project-Agenda-21-COP21. Uh, uh, it's, it's the same agenda, and uh, we're well on the way to it. But what I'm going to show you tonight is how it's institutionalized already throughout your societies, not just through propaganda, which is incessant, of course, through, even through movies and things, and even comedies, the buzzwords and terms and all the rest of it, but you'll find that uh, it's also institutionalized through all your institutions. Your media, for one, basically, is completely uh, institutionalized through it. Uh, even at the BBC, I've read articles in the past where the BBC was completely on board with it, uh, and they, made it, they put out a statement saying they will push this whole, this term, you know, um, and global warming, uh, climate change, and so over and over until it's institutionalized in our vocabulary, which should be said, well, basically isn't for most folk. But uh, it's done it's through, through uh, oh, thousands of non-governmental organizations, all under the umbrella of the United Nations. Uh, and they've got various teacher unions in there too, across the world, who have implemented it through the schooling system and curriculums. You've got religious factors involved, where all the religions have been lobbied to get on board with it, and they have done it dutifully too. And you've got it um, through your local councils, uh, even the tiny little villages too, you still have your mayors are all part of the, the mayor's compact and so on for, the, for, the, for this climate change thing. And they're over there as well. Um, it, it's, it's everything, you see. So we're going through a formality at COP21. And when they, if they mention it at all on, the, on television, for instance, I don't watch TV, so I don't know. If they mention it at all, uh, it means nothing to the general public. What does COP21 mean? You know, a new, a new cop show or something for, what is it? Uh, and that's why they put it, they call it conference of parties. It's so benign sounding, and yet it's a culmination 
uh, of the agreements to do with sustainability. That's how it all started out way back with Maurice Strong and all the rest of it, with uh, biodiversity and the animals and the Rio summit and so on, and save the world, save the, save, save the animals. Uh, oh, the, the, the Brazilian rainforest is going to disappear, yada, 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 step by step by step. And then, of course, they hit upon the idea of climate change after global warming didn't live up to its expectations. So it's a whole agenda to control the world uh, of, of humanity, how we live, what you'll believe, uh, your, your indoctrination, you know, through schooling and so on, uh, right down to eventually, as they broaden it all, into voluntary sterilization and so on. They've already had articles in the paper on that over the years, voluntary sterilization. And it'd be quite easy to get little martyrs to go forward once they've been brainwashed enough at school and they'll show off their, you know, their virtue, as they say, virtue signaling and all that, which is like virtue preening. Every, every politician uses all the right buzzwords and so on and they're all for this and for that and so on and they're pro this and pro that. All the correct things, as you well know. Until it's rather nauseous, isn't it? Listen to this prattle of sellouts, basically. You see, we're, we're in such a socialist system already with massive governments in every country uh, that all the different institutions that they farm at work to are all part of the same push for the same agenda. It's just one big system, you see. And politicians and even in your local level, they want to get up the ladder into a federal level eventually, know what to say to, to be popular, all the politically correct things to be approved, and they get their social approval by their displays, their preening displays of virtue. So we're going through this all right now, of course, and this meeting's on right now, and it's really a farce. Just like the global meetings in the past have been farces. I've read articles for years on the air again to do with the lavish, incredible meals they get. It's a talk about austerity for us, you see. Austerity. And uh, and then, and then the, the articles that even come out with the prostitutes that we, we pay for, the tax money uh, goes to pay for these prostitutes, male or female. And uh, they've even had articles in the paper in Canada about it a few years back. Anyway, this is the farce that we go through, this, this display. And it's a display, the COP21, complete formality. They go there and have a great time and all the rest of it and their parties at night. And they sign the, the deal. It's complete formality. It's already institutionalized. And that's what I'm going to touch on tonight to show you all the different methods by which it's already institutionalized. And regardless, even if you had some rogue character who'd conned his way up there and went to the meeting and then turned at the, the last minute and says, I'm not going to go along with this, you see. It wouldn't matter, even if it was a president, prime minister, because it's institutionalized through your state and Canada's a province and the local levels and through education and everything else too. And it's still getting pushed ahead through compacts, as they call it, treaties signed between states in, in the US and states in Canada, things like that. Now, I think the one exception they made for the three-minute talk was for President Obama the first day that it opened at COP21. They gave him about 15 or 20 minutes to prattle on. And I guess that's correct because the U.S. Uh, will be paying most of the taxes that's going to fund all these little countries across the world.
Everybody else is even more broke than the US, but the US is living completely undead, believe you me. And in Canada, there was an article came out before all started saying Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the new guy, will head to the COP21 climate conference in Paris with a little wind at his back. A meeting of Canada's first ministers, politicians, Monday in Ottawa. The first in almost seven years ended with 11 provinces and territories humming from the same environmental hymn book. So there you go. Because it is sort of religion, really, isn't it? As I've mentioned before. It was created to be a religion like that. And it's become more of a religion as time goes on. And... I'm going to put up tonight two, all the articles, remember, uh, I talk about, I always put up the links to them, and often PDFs as well, for the ones who are really fanatical and can really stand the drudgery of looking through all that stuff. And um, But it's important, too, for those who really want to know. You know. Uh, most folk really don't, or they want to know the cursory stuff, and that's all, but... Uh, Personally, I like to get the bigger picture of it all. But this article here is from is actually from CFACT, it's called, Climate Fact. It says, Global Climate Trend Since November 16th, 1978. It's plus 0.11 centigrade per decade. That came from the University of Alabama in Huntsville. It says the troposphere has not warmed as fast as almost all climate models predict. And their models are the computers that are fed all the fake data. And it says after 1998, the observations are likely to be below the simulated values, including uh, are indicating that the simulations as a whole are predicting too much warming. And um, that's from remote sensing systems. Then another one, satellite analysis of the upper atmosphere is more accurate and should be adopted as a standard way to monitor global temperature change. That was from NASA, and that's as far back as 1990. Then there's a robust cosmic ray global temperature relationship. And thus provide further corroboration of the solar cosmic ray theory of climate of uh, Svensmark uh, and so on. So... Remember, in these computer models they're using, they're not, they claim that they're not going to use the sun. They're not using the sun at all. The sun has no effect on anything. Yeah. As, as I said before, reality is changing, right? Uh, but no, the sun has no effect on anything. So they're, 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 uh, there's not any, even in the computer model. We're causing all the warming on the planet, for those that don't know it. Yeah. There you go. And... Um, there's a robust cosmic ray global temperature relationship. Assuming the proposed cuts are extended through 2100 but not deepened further, they result in about 0.2 degrees centigrade less warming by the end of the century compared with our estimates from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Energy and Climate Outlook 2015. Using the peer-reviewed climate model MAGIC, it's called MAGIC, <laughs> By God, it's magic already. I estimate the marginal impact of carbon reduction promise called INDC's intended nationally determined contributions from the EU, the USA, China, and the rest of the world, along uh, with the likely global policy output. My major findings that the total effect is very small, less than 0.05 degree centigrade difference by the end of this century. And even you can't even predict that, because um, 
They can't even predict tomorrow's weather. You know. All countries' commitments from uh, Paris uh, equals less than 0.05 degrees centigrade difference by the end of the century. Absolute global sea level rise is believed to be 1.7 to 1.8 millimeters a year. That's from NOAA. Uh, tide gauge records along coastlines provide evidence that mean sea levels have risen since the late 19th century with globally average rates of 1.33 to 1.98 millimetres per year. There's been underestimation of possible natural trends of up to 1 millimetre per year, erroneously enhancing the significance of anthropogenic footprints. And according to the new analysis of satellite data, the Antarctic ice sheet showed a net gain of 112 billion tonnes of ice a year from 1992 to 2001. That net gain slowed to 82 billion tonnes of ice per year between 2003 and 8. Antarctica is not currently contributing to sea level rise, but is taking 0.23 millimetres per year away. And that's why things go up and down in the sea, you see. Uh, and it goes on and on, but there's a lot of good, good um, studies in here, which, again, for those who already understand it all, it just simply reinforced what you know already, that the whole darn thing's a con, and it's a con on a gigantic scale for, for definite predetermined reasons. And profit and gain for certain people. I'm also going to put up two sceptical climate doctor, uh, documentary to set to rock the climate debate. And uh, it's from Anthony Watts. And it's, uh, it's, it's going to come out uh, very, very shortly. It says, CFAT will hold the world premiere of its long-awaited climate hustle sceptical documentary film at an invitation-only red carpet event in Paris during the United Nations COP21 International Summit on Climate Change. Featuring interviews and comments from more than 30 renowned scientists and climate experts, Climate Hustle lays out compelling evidence that devastates the global warming scare. Film host Mark Morano, founder and publisher of CFAX award-winning Climate Depot News Information Service, leads viewers on a fact-finding and oftentimes hilarious journey through the propaganda-laced world of climate change claims. So we can keep our eyes open for that. But again, it doesn't matter. This is written in stone, you see. Everything's counting on this thing for, for the big boys that really rule the world. All the big top corporations are in on it. And they're going to get their, their billions of dollars. You understand they're going to trade these carbon credits, these nothings, you know. And, and, and they're going to trade them between each other. And it's a, it's a new stock market, really. And they'll go up and down, up and down, all the rest of it. And then we'll, we'll bail them. We'll bail them. We'll put bail-ins, as I say. And each time they start to lose money in a certain country, just like the present natural stock ball. Well, it's not even natural, but the stock market, as you well know. And then the complete rundown for this year's historic COP21 conference. This is as a scientific community increasingly voices concerns over the pressing need for humanity to come up with more sustainable methods of living. Honest and urgent global discussions are of the utmost importance. Three minutes for a discussion. Well, jokey. The annual COP21 conference held this year in Berger, France 
is one and perhaps the most uh, promising example of a gathering of the world's most eco-conscious personalities who come together to discuss how we as humans could do better by our planet, you see. See, isn't just in Paris. You've also got um, these other things going on too with all the NGOs that you help fund through your tax money and also get massive funding and direction and, and their agendas from the foundations, the tax-free foundations. So otherwise referred to as 2015 Paris Climate Conference, the United leaders, governments, officials, scientists and influential speakers from around the world to promote global action for addressing climate change. This year's event takes place in November through uh, December 11th and will include government representation from more than 190 nations. Close to 50,000 participants and international delegates are expected to attend. Imagine what they're going to eat in one through there, eh? And all their heating and all that, we all pay for it, eh? It puts a lot of hot air for you there. It says, prior COP events with significant impacts upon history books include the first COP in Berlin in 1995. COP3 in Kyoto, where the Kyoto Protocol International Treaty was first uh, conceptualized. COP11, which introduced the Montreal Action Plan. I mean, you understand, they didn't use the COP by then, folks. They, didn't, they had to make you think we're all separate, different kinds of meetings. And um, this is COP15 in Copenhagen, COP17 in Durban, which led to the creation of the Green Climate Fund. The Green Climate Fund, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this year's event is also expected to be particularly noteworthy. It's the first time in more than 20 years that such gatherings uh, convene with the express uh, goal to produce a legally binding universal agreement on climate change and sustainability efforts moving forward. If this year's conference is a success, it could mean a world of change that our planet desperately needs. Aye, aye. And... Uh, it goes on to talk about some of them. It says the U.S. has pledged to cut emissions by 26 to 28% by 2025. Some of the most crucial topics of discussion and agreements that could come out of this year's conference center around implementing new and sometimes aggressive policies with the end goal of limiting rising global temperatures to within 2 degrees centigrade. Many are hopeful that this year's undertaking can help foster real, lasting change. We'll have no change left in our pockets at all, but then they plunder us all. And a couple of key political events that will take place include the UCLG World Council. Very important, that. And the World Climate Summit, a global business, finance and government forum with more than 300 higher-level speakers that will take place throughout the duration of the conference. These policy-focused events provide an opportunity for government officials and representatives to discuss their respective nation's sustainability efforts on both a small and large scale. And then they have exhibitions on the go at the same time, such as Paris for the Future. It's a movement that's part of a larger effort that will extend beyond COP21 to reach stakeholders from private, academic, there you go, and non-profit, the NGO arenas, to showcase and present solutions for fighting climate change on everyday basis. Exhibits will be held in public spaces around Paris, such as City Hall Square and the River Banks of the Seine. 
That's a good place to have it. If you're in there, I guess you're insane, uh, prattling on about the weather. And we'll illustrate how Paris is taking steps to combat climate change and move our cities forward (laughs) into the river, maybe. These exhibitions are open to both the general public and COP21 participants. And they've all listed them. uh, La Galerie is another one. uh, Solutions COP21. And... uh, Business and innovation-focused forums for the guys of raking all the cash from it. And then this one here, The Global Village of Alternatives. Global Village. Remember Hillary Clinton's book, The Global Village? This folk festival and temporary village is meant to provide a glimpse at the human element of COP21, as well as the possibilities for a sustainable world, showcasing alternative lifestyles in public spaces and on the street. Each crossroad, street or location will display an element of alternative living from recycling to low-carbon transportation methods. Traffic will be banned from several streets during the duration of the event and will take place December 56 in in Montreux. The event is a can't-miss occurrence that offers something for everyone. There you go. You see, that's uh, going to be your model little uh, village of the future where you're forced into living in these little sustainable communities. Uh, a form of collectivism, you might say. You see, that's really what it is. And you'll, there's no democracy in them. It's not meant to be democratic. And and on it goes. But I'll put this up tonight as well for those who want to see all the different things that are already up there and running uh, that uh, help push this whole meme, you see. And again, getting back to the global village of climate-friendly alternatives, uh, it goes on to say this, powered by more than 500 volunteers and alternative enthusiasts from the world, uh, the temporary village of alternatives will gather tens of thousands of people in the Montreal city centre. Liberated from cars on this occasion, each street or place will be devoted to an alternative lifestyle. An alternative lifestyle, I've heard that before. Visitors will, for instance, discover the relocalization street, the place of sustainable and small-scale agriculture. The low-carbon transportation avenue, I guess to give you a pair of walking shoes, or the recycling and repair square. From street to street, visitors will discover alternative lifestyles and actions from all over the world that are now contributing to a significant decrease of greenhouse gas emissions. Small-scale local and sustainable farming, short supply chains, shared gardens, eco and shared housing. See, there's your shared housing agenda in 21. Relocation of economic activities, uh, fair trade, environmental awareness actions, energy savings, renewable energy, alternative urban planning, energy transition policies, uh, sustainable mobility, car sharing, ethical finance. <laughs> but joke. Currencies and responsible consumption. Responsible, that means no fat cells there, you see. That's, that's, that's what they're telling you there, folks. You're going to be on mandatory uh, dieting and, and literally, I mean, you'll be on weekly um, weighing machines and all being recorded. Um, repairing and recycling waste reductions, zero waste plans, grassroots energy and climate scenarios, work and wealth uh, distribution. I like that. You see, so it really means redistribution. <laughs> Conversion to social and ecological production initiatives, transition towns. And you thought communism was dead, eh? Mind you, the big fascists at the top run it all. Uh, the, the CEOs of corporations will be raking it in as you live like uh, austere peasants. 
And then local to global initiative or terms will be presented in the streets all day during practical workshops, pedagogical games and exhibitions held under covered stalls or big tops. And each will be invited to explore car-liberated urban spaces, devoted to creative alternative lifestyles and actions that contribute to the restoration of our environment and social networks. Etc., etc. It's friendly, it's fun, and it's solidarity based. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. There's your, your usual stuff. And the Citizen Summit for Climate. There you go. Mm-hmm. Coalition Climate 21 Climate Forum and the Federation uh, for Small Scale Farmer Markets. So, there you go, eh? Isn't that just wonderful? Isn't that going to be a beautiful utopia, eh? Let's not just create that. Hmm? I wonder if Disney's involved with this. Now, another one too is to do with uh, Alternatiba, Alternatiba, a citizen's village of alternatives where individual collective, local and systemic alternative solutions to climate change and energy crisis are promoted. And it gives you the goals and uh, spread the message of climate emergency. Or it's an emergency, I didn't know that. I had an emergency, though, last year when my, my umbrella, because uh, it was awfully, awfully wet, my umbrella uh, got holes in it. It says, um, raise awareness amongst the general public and elected politicians. Well, they don't want to take for it anyway. They're all, they all know it's PC if they want to get up the ladder. And it says, necessity to, to rapidly and radically cut greenhouse gas emissions highlight the dramatic consequences of not reaching an ambitious, effective, binding and fair international agreement on climate change. Fight the probable feeling of resignation, helplessness and therefore the demobilization which could be triggered by the seriousness and importance of the climate challenge. You know, there's folk actually committed suicide on that. As of two or three years ago, a couple did it. It was in the paper. The future looked so depressing to them when you're all be living in deserts and stuff, and uh, and and roasting, you know, frying in the sand, so they kill themselves. That's how how it can affect some people. This propaganda, fight the problem of feeling of resignation and so on, and uh, uh, and show that solutions exist that they're ready to be implemented, and they can be they can create jobs. Uh, Maybe you can be carrying, you know, on on your back, maybe in a, in a in a backpack, you can carry fertilizer from one little place to the next as you walk along the road, you know, and you pick up the horse dew and stuff. Yeah. Calling everyone to implement so without delay the necessary social energy and ecological transitions in uh, order to avoid the deep and irreversible consequences of climate change. Repetitive, repetitive, climate change, climate change, climate climate. So the weather, you know, weather on the news was always about climate change. You could be sunny one day and rainy the next. Boy, I talk. This is a beauty, isn't it? What a mind-bending job this really is, this whole thing. And they go on about geoengineering in it and... Uh, the carbon markets, of course, for the big boys. Do you know your, your, your governments give them, the, the CEOs, the corporations, they give them millions of dollars worth of free carbon credits to start off the trading. They did it all across Europe too. 
you, you the peasant, get nothing, of course. You just pay for all. But, um, but they get that to start it off, you know. Money for nothing and your kicks for free. So I'll put that up tonight as well. And um, I'll also put up a PDF, an alternative. alternative. I'll put that up tonight as well. Be surprised just how everybody's on board with it. It's, it's taken years to get them all up and running, you see, all these things. And again, to institutionalize the agenda through all phases of society and institutions of governance, as I like to call it. Another article here Climate justice pilgrims begin 200 mile journey from London to Paris. Now you've got the religions on their pilgrimages to Gaia, I guess, you know. Yeah. And of course, they started years ago getting uh, all the the top, you know, pastors and religions on board with this. And then the pastors preach their flocks, and the flocks go, bah, and then they, they say, okay, and they go along with the agenda, you see. This is around 50 pilgrims have set off from central London this morning to start a 200 mile journey to Paris. I hope they're walking, because they don't want all that greenhouse gas coming out of them if they're not, you know or at least take the jet or something, where they will call on world leaders from 190 nations at the UN Climate Change Conference, COP21, to agree a fair, ambitious and binding agreement on tackling changes in the weather. The London to Paris pilgrimage organised by the Church of England, Anglican Church uh, and Christian Aid, Tear Fund and CAFOD, is one of a number of similar pilgrimages taking place throughout Europe as churches continue to put pressure on global politicians. See, they used to everybody, you see, to achieve a good deal uh, for the world's poor. And, of course, it's got nothing to do with the weather. And a lot of the left-wingers have been sold an idea, well, you'll get all that tax money coming into the UN and they'll redistribute the wealth across the world to the poor. And it ain't going to go there, folks. You know, It's all going to go through... Uh, Al Gore's um, trading, uh, carbon trading thing, and into the Rothschilds, one, two, in Switzerland. I read the articles a few years back on that to their personal bank, uh, and so on and so on. And to get you into austerity, actually, until you're really poor. But they won't call it that. No, you're not poor, you're just austere, you see. We walk in solidarity for climate uh, justice for the world's poorest and most vulnerable. We're all aware of the impact of climate change, and we can't be the first generation to not only turn away from our responsibilities to protect the planet. The Church of England's lead bishop on the environment, the right Reverend Nicholas Holtham, Bishop of Salisbury, told the pilgrims and the congregation of supporters at a service in St. Martin in the fields, Trafalgar Square, before the pilgrimage got underway. These 50 pilgrims are highlighting the need for those involved in the climate change talks to reach an agreement that moves us towards a fairer, low-carbon future at Paris and beyond. Mm-hmm. This is last month, a different group of pilgrims set off from Rome to Paris in a pilgrimage organized by the World Council of Churches. That was set up by Rockefeller, you know. Uh, years ago, uh, to to bring all the churches to basically standardise all the ch- all the Protestant churches <laughs> and give them all the same indoctrination until there's no differences really amongst what, they, what they're prattling about. It says the Lutheran World Federation and Act Alliance. Earlier this month, they reached the WCC's Ecumenical Centre in Zurich, Switzerland, where they held a panel discussion about the approach that faith communities are making to COP21. 
Well, why just use a Skype conference, for God's sake, and save all that CO2 getting burned by their jet fuel? All panelists agree that COP21 will just be a relevant uh, milestone and longer journey for climate justice. I'm going to a climate court, folks. Eh? You're going to get judges in charge of invisible gases. But we always knew they were full of gas to start with, don't we? And then they prattle on and on and on about how this is they're going to mobilize uh, the masses, basically. Uh, and through the centre of Paris and so on, ensuring the church has a strong voice and uh, and they're, they're around the talks. After months of hard work, talk about fasting and all the rest of it, that's going to be a big difference, you know, as they fast. After months of hard work, we're now on our way. James Buchanan, organiser of the London to Paris pilgrimage, said, this month's service is a reminder of what's at stake at the upcoming UN Climate Change Conference. There's no planet B, so please do join us in the journey to Paris for climate justice. All these terms dreamed up by the marketers. Pilgrims will be staying in churches and in the houses of church members along the route, following uh, in a centuries old tradition. What a joke, eh? What a joke. Ay, ay. Another one, too, but this similar topic. Pray and act. Pray and act. Call for the climate justice. Lead up to UN's Climate Conference Paris, uh, join the growing call by people of faith for climate action. You see? I've often wondered, you know, if everything's by the will of God, then little people asking or demanding even for God to change his mind on something and help them, does it really doubt? Does it really work? You see? Because if after all it's predetermined, then are you going against God by telling me to change it all? And why didn't God, why won't God change it all anyway if he wants to? You see? But you see, today all these churches are not churches at all, these Christian ones especially. They're social clubs. Social clubs, folks. Uh, where folks of similar, often class, like to go and meet each other and their little club, basically. And they're all preaching happy gospels. Happy gospels. They don't want bad news. They want happy, happy gospels, you see. And, uh, well, what can you say? According to the COP21 website, world leaders will work to complete a new international agreement in the climate applicable to all countries. This is uh, take action, sign the prayers for Paris petition, which is offered by Citizens for Public Justice, a partner of the United Church. See, the, see all these different organizations eh, work together. Invite friends, family, and members of your faith community to sign too. Your message will be carried by people of faith going to Paris. Reflect on creation care with a worship service on November 29th or any time before or during COP21. I give you a, a little background, it says here. Uh, and then I give you the usual fake stuff that's been put out by the uh, IPCC from the United Nations. that they, they, they just won't change it. It's, again, it's written in stone like the Law of Moses or something. And um, 
They talk about international energy agencies and their propagandas on board with it and so on and so on. And then I go into from Copenhagen to Paris, cities and mayors. See your cities and mayors from Canada, the States, and every other country are leading, leading the way on climate action. So there's an association of them. So you've got a compact of mayors and all that. Do you know they're all involved in it as well, your local areas? I say every institution is involved in this. It's already done. Today, the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group and research partner Arup released climate action in megacities, a groundbreaking and definitive assessment of how the world's leading mayors have taken on the urgent challenge of climate change. So it says um, CAM3 presents new major, major new insights into the current status, latest trends and future potential for climate action at the city level. Since the last mayor, COP, in Copenhagen, the C40 cities, that's, that's Bloomberg's group, have taken 10,000 climate actions, a doubling of actions in just six years. And mind you, all these big boys at the top are going to benefit incredibly from all the carbon trading and so on. They say, I'm committed to reduce their CO2 emissions by three, uh, they, they give you the, the equivalents and so on. As the world's most extensive quantitative study of city climate action, CAM3 documents and analysis, these actions demonstrate the ability of mayors to share knowledge across geographic, political and economic boundaries. Most of them can't even run their own area, never mind know their boundaries of it. Do you know that? Anyway, I'll put that up as well, and I'll put up two municipal resources for adapting to climate change from Partners for Climate Protection. It's always got all the green pictures and everything. It's all nicey-nicey green, super green too. And it's from the, the ICLEI. Now, I gave talks on that a few years ago on the radio. Uh, and uh, it's local governments for sustainability, they call themselves. They kind of grafted themselves on your, all your little local governments for towns and cities and all that. And they've got the Green Municipal Fund uh, and things like that on the go. But they've also got one in Canada. And they like to change the names of them for different places so you don't think it's just one big global thing. Anyway, it's Federation of Canadian Municipalities here. Uh, is, is in here. And the Partners for Climate Protection, the PCP. Let's see. I'll put that up there. And it's got all the different uh, impacts of climate change on Canadian municipalities, linkages to climate mitigation programs, adapting to climate change in Canada and abroad, communities undertaking adaptation activities, resources used in impact assessment adaptation planning, risk assessment tools, scientific resources, networks, all the networks, summaries of adaptation activities in selected communities. This is pure Agenda 21, folks. You see, and uh, under the guise of the weather, you see, weather changes. It's a good PDF. But I will show you because what's the, what this one shows you, even for for Sudbury, little place near me, um, is across the whole country in Canada and in the states as well. It's exactly the same program. You see, and it gives a, the explanation of what exactly they're supposed to be. It's a, the parts of climate protection partnership between the Federation of Canadian Municipalities and the ICLEI. You see, local governments for sustainability. PCP is a Canadian component of ICLEI's Cities for Climate Protection. 
campaign. Involves more than 900 communities internationally. There you go, international. In Canada, over 180 municipal governments, these are municipal governments, who uh, are involved in the PCP program, which uses a five-milestone framework to guide communities in assessing and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Did you vote for any of these groups? Did you? And it says municipal officials have expressed a need for more information. No, they've been approached, you see. Resources and tools and climate change adaptation. I, I can adapt to it, you know. When it's freezing in the winter, I put on extra clothing. And in the summer, I have less on, you see, because it's kind of hot. And uh, if it rains, I put on a raincoat and rubber boots, you see. Things like that. So I've already adapted. But again, every every generation before me for thousands of years has adapted pretty much the same way. If you could afford the raincoat. Uh, so that's one of them. And then I put up uh, even one from the Department of Defense. And the 2014 Climate Change Adaptation Roadmap. Oh, oh wow, eh? You know, we should petition our governments to get the same rain gear, and winter gear for that matter, as the military get. I mean, they put on the rain gear, and they don't. it doesn't rip when you raise your arms up like the cheap stuff that we have to buy from China, you know. They get the better Chinese stuff, much thicker, and there's fabric in it, so it won't rip, you see, when they raise your, your, your hands up to do some kind of work or something. And when you put things in your pockets, the seam doesn't fall away in the second day, or maybe even the first day. Hmm. Is that asking too much? Never mind their winter clothing, eh? Whoa. But I'll put this PDF up, too, from the Department of Defense. And, of course, they, they bring all the problems of the world on to the global instability and extreme weather events, and they bring on pandemic disease and disputes over refugees and resources and destruction by natural disasters, and et cetera, et cetera. Hunger, poverty, conflict. Oh, oh my. all the movies have been churned out for years are in this Department of Defense PDF. And that's why they churned out all those movies to prepare you for all this stuff, you see. The nonsense, all the nonsense, and um, and again too, they're they're actually saying it could even cause terrorism, yeah, and things like that. Eh? It could just make you do strange things. That's why Bill Clinton had all these different women. You see, it was the weather made him do it. You see, things like that, and I love too how how the. <laughs> They have, they have, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite funny. Some things just make me uh, crack up. But it says here that um, it's a threat multiplier. You see, the weather's a threat multiplier. And, um, and it's, it's a cause of terrorism for sure, the weather, you see. And a changing climate will have real impacts on the military and the way it executes its missions. Could be called upon more often to support civil authorities. Well, we know that's going to come. Austerity and folk get a bit hungry. And um, it says here, where is it now? Oh, yeah. Well, scientists are converging towards consensus on future climate projections from the same 
computers fed the fakes the same information. Uncertainty remains, but this cannot be excused for delaying actions. Every day our military deals with global uncertainty. So do the public. Hmm? Our planners know that, as military strategist Karl von Clausewitz wrote. I love how they always insert these things, because they get, they get folk to do biographies and that, and they put in fake statements by people. And what he said, supposedly, is all action must, to a certain extent, be planned in a mere twilight. Uh, eh? It's in this context that the Department of Defense is releasing a climate change adaptation roadmap, you see. And uh, our first step is planning for these challenges to identify the effects of climate change on the department with tangible and specific metrics using the best available science. Well, you won't get it using these computers with the fake information on them that they will not add anything else into, like uh, the sun and the impact of the weather from the sun. And this article too. Here's one, the Rural Climate Network are also at Paris. All these groups I'm mentioning are at Paris, you see. Sorry, a done deal. The ideal for the Rural Climate Network was born at the 2011 National Rural Assembly. Did you know you had one? During the conference, a climate change working group formed in response to the lack of uh, collaboration among rural communities regarding climate change adaptation and mitigation. See, rural communities are are more sensible. They're not living in this neurotic uh, hyperness of the city, you see. So you can actually think and reason. So because they wouldn't go along with it, rural communities, this went over their head, you see. And they formed this fake working group. And it says, rural natural resource dependent communities are particularly vulnerable to the effects of climate change. Like, tell farmers uh, for thousands of years, uh, this may be any different. Hmm? As they're often the most closely linked to natural ecosystems for their economic, social and environmental well-being. The Rural Climate Network is intended to foster collaboration. See, you need us. That's what they're telling you in the rural folk. You need us to foster collaboration that will eventually get at the complex issues that create rural injustices. Rural Climate Network advances practical strategies to adapt to and mitigate the current and anticipated effects of climate change across the nation. They pad everything with nonsense, don't they? They can't get to the point. But that's what they do, eh? You can almost tell what's been written by a bureaucratic mind. It says, the work connects rural leaders in order to generate and respond to state and national climate change policies. The goals, to provide a venue for broad cross-sector collection of rural voices and organizations. Again, this mass organization thing. To work together to define and respond to climate change policies, state and national level. To ensure that rural voices become a leading force in the development of climate change policy and solutions in their communities. No, they pick the leaders, you see. This is the this is the Soviet system, folks. And the Soviet the Soviet system meant rule by councils. And on the face of communism, uh, every group. If you were a farmer, you were in your farmers' group. If you were in a, a factory worker, you were in your, you were in your factory workers' group, and things like that. And they all had little councils appointed to them, not by them. 
uh, and the leader of the, the NGO, basically NGOs, you see, the leader uh, was appointed by the Politburo at the top to say what the Politburo wanted to hear. And this is exactly the same system. It's new and improved communism. To ensure that any market-based policies developed actually contribute to greenhouse gas emission reduction and provide real benefits to rural residents and their communities. To promote changes in legislation that will assist rural communities in developing adequate responses to the current and anticipated effects of climate change on their communities, surrounding landscapes and natural resources. To engage the next generation of rural leaders in a dialogue about climate change and ensure their perspectives are informing. In other words, you're, you're brainwashed, to make sure that you're properly brainwashed, and included in state and national policy recommendations. And then the group, the grassroots networks, all the usual uh, terminology, activate a network of organizations that can promote progressive climate policies, laws, laws, rules, laws, regulations, laws, rules, laws. Provide on-the-ground examples that demonstrate evidence of climate change and showcase the issues, opportunities for the big boys that will get all your tax money to invest in fake uh, green projects, and exist across rural communities and landscapes to educate broad audiences and inform actionable climate policy. More effectively share and disseminate best practices in forestry, farming. So again, here they come into your farm and the whole bit and tell you how to do things. And same in forestry, you could private land, or you leave that tree alone. And ranching as they relate to climate change, you see. Provide resources and partnerships for county commissions, mayors, service providers, and extension officers to work with communities, landowners, city planners, and others to engage in a climate change issue and develop adaptation plans. I'll put this up tonight as well. I mean, you can only stomach so much per night, really, can't you? Even that's a bit much, what I've gone through already. And the Climate Summit for Local Leaders gives cities a strong platform at COP21. That was back in June, this, this article. And it goes on about to the mayor of Paris and Hidalgo and Michael R. Bloomberg the UN Secretary General's Special Envoy for Cities and Climate Change announced they will co-chair the Climate Summit for local leaders. See, everything as an institution has already been taken over. I say the school, there's even some folk from school boards across the world gone there, etc., etc. And their children, the children, their school children, a show for the public to watch on TV. Oh, look at that, the children are there singing nice little... Gaia hymns, you know. Isn't that sweet? Oy. And also, Caritas International is for, and, and this one here, I think it's a Catholic church as well. They're all in it as well. And they want a legally a, a binding climate agreement. Also, uh, more details on the ICLEI, who they are. They're, they're for, for local governments for sustainability as the world's leading network of over a thousand cities, towns, and metropolises committed to building a sustainable future. It's an non-governmental organisation. But 
massively funded, obviously. And they go on about their usual sustainable future, sustainable future. That also means depopulation for those that don't quite get it, folks. This is ICLEI's first global programs were Local Agenda 21. You know, think think uh, global, act local, and then act local, think global. A program promoting uh, participatory governments and local sustainable development planning in cities for climate protection, etc., etc., etc. I'll put that up tonight as well. Federation of Canadian Municipalities. Now, I use Canada. They can use it across the States and Britain and every other country in the world because it's all the same organizations, folks. So your little municipalities are all on board with it too. And it's got Union of Canadian Municipalities and Dominion Conference of Mayors as well, the merger of mayors with it as well. And local government organization, their legal status is non-profit corporation. So you're, anyone who you elect should not be involved in this, folks, unless they put it out to you first. You're the taxpayer, uh, not the non-governmental organization. You are the taxpayer. It's supposed to represent you. And it's, it's informative as, as far as uh, how many things are on board with them, of course. As you all know. And we've got some of its history there as well. I can read that for yourself. And then FCM joins official Canadian delegation to COP21 Climate Conference in Paris. As Canadian municipalities will play an important role as leaders from around the world gather in Paris for the COP21 Conference. The Federation of Canadian Municipalities will officially represent local governments as part of the Canadian delegation during the conference taking part from November 30 through December the 11th. <laughs> Municipal representation of the Canadian delegation also includes the mayors of Vancouver, Montreal and Toronto. Canadian local expertise and display, etc. It shows you all that stuff. And gives you more of the agenda, the one agenda, which they've all sworn to, obviously. And then there's the Green Municipal Fund as well. For those who don't know, there actually, there actually is one. Uh, it'd be quite interesting for you to go through all that too if, you're, if you really want to know more and more about it. And for this week, lastly, for this week, it'll be FCM Partners for Climate Protection. Partners for Climate Protection, PCP programs, a network of Canadian municipal governments that have committed to reducing the gases and so on, and acting on climate change. Since the program's inception in 1994, over 250 municipalities have joined PCP, making a public commitment to reduce emissions. PCP membership covers all provinces and territories and accounts for more than 65% of the Canadian population. And it's just the, the Canadian component of ICLEI, Cities for Climate Protection Network. I think they're changing their name to CCP now, that's I-C-L-E-I. After the last outburst from the public, after folk like myself and other folk complaining about what they're up to in the U.S. and elsewhere, and uh, they actually backed off one of their massive projects, this non-governmental organization that's helping to rule your lives. You know, back in the Cold War days, the... <laughs> I hate to call it Communist Party, but the Communist Party of the West 
had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of front groups who didn't know, some of them, that they were a front group pushing the ideals of communism. And a lot of the churches were involved as well. I mean, nothing changes. But the thing with that was it showed you the incredible power of, of planned and, and taught and expertly taught organization, how to organize. When they went to a different area, they'd organize, organize, organize. And um, this is just the transformation, the same system, often by the same people, definitely at the top, because the West created communism for for the Soviet area. And it's the same folk running it with the same systems, folks. Same folk. And it works awfully, awfully well. But again, it's very deceptive because so many of these NGOs sound so official. That's why they use official sounding terms, but they're private and they're NGOs. You see? So but if, when it sounds official, you transfer uh, your, your power to them, thinking, well, I guess they're government. But no, they're not. No, they're not. So don't be misled by things. Think for yourself. And remember, too, I've got even more from years ago on the Genesis 21 program in more detail. Uh, back in the archive section of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com And you'll hear many talks on it too It's kind of boring of course and It's repetitive I know But you're going through the massive changes now Where it gets signed into law And they're going to implement it very very soon Step by step by step And drastic changes are coming your way They've said that already Drastic changes On the way you live and you won't be too happy about that, believe you me. So, yep. And another thing you can do too is when you're using the archives at cuttingthroughmedias.com, you could help send a couple of bucks my way, folks. It would certainly help. And uh, there's books and discs there to buy as well at cuttingthroughmedias.com and the page on how to order. And that is it's all explained quite, quite uh, effectively and simply. So from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada... It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.